You are welcome to Face to Face Broadcast. Enjoy the dynamic teaching ministry of Pastor Tibby Peters, the president of Renaissance Assembly Incorporated. This message will take you from where you are to where you ought to be. Taking the message of around the world by the power of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. I love it when God pours out His presence upon us. And this evening, there will be shiftings and liftings. There will be relocations. Literal relocations. I say literal movements. Movements. Literal movements of the Spirit of God. That means you will not be where you were before you came. Jesus said about the fact, he said, the first shall be the last and the last shall be first. He's talking about a relocation. And I see those from behind coming to the front lines. One remarkable thing the anointing of the Holy Spirit will do in your life tonight is that it will bring you to the front lines to the front lines of what God had designed for you to accomplish. The ministry of the gospel never leaves any man behind. Paul was writing to the Corinthian church. He said, you are, you do not come behind in the gifts of the spirits. So you will not come behind. You will not come behind. Because the power of God is bringing you to the front lines. Say front lines. Say front lines. Yes, the front lines of what God has ordained for you. Even the Jews believed. One of the blessings that the Jews were given in Deuteronomy 28 was that you will be the head and not the tail. You will be above and not beneath. That's front lines. He said, I will make you a peculiar people above all the peoples of the earth. That's front lines. So, let your ministry receive front lines. Let your organization receive front lines. We've been talking about quite a number of things. We'll be having meetings through the week. I'll just try and do a recap and then we enter into the ocean of power. God gave me a script and a rod. And when we come up in meetings sometimes, I'm instructed to use the script. And then in some meetings, I'm instructed to use the rod. Hallelujah. And we've been opening the scripts. That's the teaching ministry. But the rod is the miraculous. And tonight, tonight, rivers will part. And you will walk on dry ground. You know what it means for someone to walk on dry ground in, through an ocean? Are you understanding me? You know what it is? 
That's how in your own circumstance you will walk on dry ground. It will be obvious that this is an act of God. It's an act of God. So, can we flow? Are you awake? <laughs> so, you know, let me tell you what happens in some of I'm not encouraging you to sleep. But in this atmosphere, even when you are sleeping, the power of God will come upon you. People have been in the meeting and they were sleeping. And the kind of dream they had, you understand? You will know that it was a manifestation of God's power. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> I went heard a testimony recently. That's what happens. As we're speaking, the atmosphere is saturated by that something of God. And you are breathing it in. Glory to God. And it's getting into your system. Some of you will go back and just say, let me just kneel down and just thank the Lord just for five minutes before I sleep. Two hours. And you are not done. Amen. Why? You have been energized. You have been energized. The Bible says Jesus was praying in the garden and an angel came and strengthened him. Amen. Meaning that, you know, maybe he would have stopped somewhere if not for the strengthening of the angel. Today, there's a strengthening coming to you. There's a strengthening coming to you. There's a strengthening coming to you. Glory to God. That means by that strengthening of the spirit, you will go beyond. I see ministries and businesses and families going beyond by the strengthening of the Holy Ghost. You are strengthened. You are strengthened. You are strengthened. The prophet was somewhere and an angel came and gave him food. To him, it looked like burger. It looked like rice. It looked like beans. But when he ate it, the Bible said for 40 days... He went in the strength of that food. I want to stand as God's servant to declare. You will go in the strength of this strengthening today for the remaining days of the year. You'll be strengthened here and you will go in the strength of what you'll be fed with and what you'll be imparted with. You'll be so imparted that you will run in the strength of this impartation and your strength will not fail. Glory to God. They that wait on the Lord. He said he shall renew their strength. As you're sitting and receiving, you're waiting on him. Amen. And your strength will be renewed. The things you couldn't do, the things you couldn't accomplish, suddenly, you are going beyond. Your testimony, front lines, going beyond. Front lines, going beyond. Front lines, going beyond. Going beyond, going beyond. There are limits that were set. Now you're going beyond those limits. Ha! Glory to God. Say, I'm going beyond. Going beyond. All of a sudden, you said, let this year, my plan is to just raise the house and just raise the walls. You will go beyond those walls. Someone you're building, you will go beyond. Also, I say, my own plan is that if at least I achieve this this year, I'll be satisfied. The power of God has come upon you today as I'm speaking and you will go beyond that limit that you set. Listen to me. There is the fruit of faith. When a man gets born again and receives Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior, the Bible says God had dealt to every man. Romans 12, 3. The measure of faith. That measure of faith is the same for everybody. The same measure of faith Paul had is the same measure of faith Pastor TB had is the same measure of faith you have. Hallelujah. That's what you receive when you got born again. The measure of faith. And now, sometimes, because faith begins where the will of God is known, 
the extent to which your faith can manifest could be limited to the knowledge that you have. Are you understanding me? But the quality of faith is the same. The quality of faith is the same. It is God's faith he imparted to your spirits. In the same way, it is his love he imparted to your spirits. He didn't give you China love and keep a German love. He gave you the agape, the God kind of love. In the same way, when you got born again, God dealt to you the measure of the God kind of faith. So the faith you have is the faith that God has. The same quality of faith. I know some of you, when you look through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then you say, well, there are different kinds of faith. There's little faith, there's small faith, there's great faith, there's weak faith, and there's strong faith. Listen, listen to me. Understand when the scripture is talking to the new creation, and when it's talking to the unrenewed mind, and the one that is not yet born again. In Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, no one was born again. When Jesus showed up, the message he brought was the gospel of a coming kingdom. Jesus was not interested in telling the Jews about his death, burial, resurrection. Because they won't understand it. He was trying to tell them, I'm the Messiah that the prophet spoke about. I am the Messiah. And if you believe in me, I'm coming to establish a kingdom. That's why if you read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you don't see any picture of the rapture. Because the rapture has no business with the Jew. The rapture is for the church. So when you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you might not see where he talked about faith for the new creation. Because every time he talked about faith, he was talking to a Jewish person. He was talking to someone that was not born again. Even when he talked to a Gentile person, it was someone that was not born again. Because they've not received the life, the zoe of God. If you have faith, like the grain of mustard seed, it was not to you. Your faith is not like the grain of mustard seed. Your faith is the measure that was given to you when you got born again. He was not talking to you. I said he was not talking to you. So, stop thinking your faith cannot accomplish something. No. You have the quality of faith that Jesus has. In the same way, it is the righteousness of Jesus that he gave to you. That means the same righteousness that Jesus has is what he gave to you. Now, we grow in our understanding of righteousness, but we don't grow in righteousness. Are you with me? We grow in the consciousness of our righteousness. But we are the righteousness of God in Christ. How do we know that? 2 Corinthians 5.21 For he had made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Meaning that Jesus on the cross took your sin, not something that looks like it. Oh, glory to God. I, I need your response. Let me be sure you're hearing me. You see, he took your sin, not something that looked the very sin. That bad one is what he took. So that he will give you his very righteousness. The best. Hallelujah. So you have his righteousness. The same way he has a right standing before the father. is the same right standing you now have. Because you came in the right standing of Christ. Yes. 
We don't fast and pray to be more righteous. We are as righteous as we can ever be. Are you with me? That's why we are telling you, listen to me. Anybody that preaches to you a bloodless gospel does not love you. Because the gospel is a blood-stained message. It's a lamb-slain gospel. The gospel is bloody. You see, don't try to modify it. Don't try to decorate it. It's bloody. It was why Paul said in Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of this bloody gospel. I know some people don't want to talk about the blood. I am not ashamed of the gospel. Because it's this bloody gospel that is the power. It is the power. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes in the bloodiness. Hallelujah. Say the gospel has blood in it. It's a blood-stained message. Glory to Jesus. Never forget that. And we've been talking about that. The fact that, and that's why even when you were told about Mount Zion, he said, look, look, look. In the same way that in Sinai, when they came to Mount Sinai, whatever it is they were doing, blood was involved. But now, you have come to Mount Zion. And there is still blood involved. But it's not the blood of a goat. It's not the blood of a cow. It's the blood of God. You have come unto Mount Zion, the city of the living God. To the heavenly Jerusalem. This is the capital of God's kingdom now. That's where you are. You are in headquarters in God. Are you understanding me? You are in headquarters. You have come not to a company of angels, um, to the demons, but to an innumerable company of angels. You are in the midst of demonic spirits. You are in the midst of angelic spirits. And the angelic spirits are not against you. Who are these angelic spirits? Hebrews 1.14 Are they not all ministering spirits? Send forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation. It says we are heirs of salvation. So we've come to Jesus. The mediator of the new covenant to the blood of sprinkling not the blood that was sprinkled not the blood that will be sprinkled is a present tense reality is the blood that is still being sprinkled according to Zechariah 13 1 that there will be a fountain opened up that will bring for before sin and for uncleanness that fountain has been opened and we're still partaking of that sprinkling that's what you've come to. We are in a bloodbath. It's sprinkling still happening. We are ever clean, ever cleansed, sanctified once and for all by that sacrifice. Say blood is speaking for me. Say blood is speaking for me. I, I hope I will enter that path. Some years ago I was praying. Because of the thoughts that people, you know, people always talk about certain things. And I, I used to believe that. You know, many years back, they'll say that, you see, um, um, behind every fortune, there is a crime. That if you see any rich man, he must have done something. 
Have you heard that kind of thing before? And if you are one of those that believe that, it means that since you will not do the crime, you will not have the fortune. Amen? And that's one lie the devil sells to the believer to hinder him from entering the wealth that God has ordained for him. The Holy Ghost corrected me. And he said, you will teach the church this. That no, that's not correct. He said, behind every fortune is a sacrifice. Not a crime. It's a sacrifice. Some of the sacrifices might become crimes. But the issue is that behind every fortune that you see is a sacrifice. Some people sacrifice their, their health to get the money. Some sacrifice their relationships to get the money. Are you understanding me? But there was a sacrifice. There was a sacrifice. And then to make you know that you don't have to make any other sacrifice. Behind your own fortune, there's a sacrifice already made. It's the sacrifice of God's own lamb that was slain. Are you understanding me? Are you understanding me? The Bible says in Revelation 5.12, Worthy is the lamb that was slain. And it tells you why he was slain. He was slain for what? Put it up. For you to receive what? Power. That means the reason why he was slain was to take something. To receive something. To lambano. To seize and make his on our behalf. And one of the things he received was the fortune. Riches. He was slain to receive riches. So our fortune. There's a sacrifice backing it up. Amen. Are you understanding me? There's a sacrifice. It's blood. The blood of Jesus. That's why you need to hear this blood stained message every time. So that you are blood conscious. Amen. Now blood conscious also means being covenant conscious. When David met Goliath, he was not speaking English. They was not saying, well, um, the angle, the best angle to throw, uh, let me measure the angle, you know, then it, the, the projector, it was not calculating. Not calculating. Amen. What statement did he make when they're talking about physical battle? He said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Circumcision now, you're talking blood. Amen. Are you understanding me? He said, who is the, this, what has circumcision got to do with this matter? Meaning that I am standing in this blood. Amen. He's not standing in blood. Are you understanding me? Understand that. The blood you are standing in, there is no blood that is higher than it. You didn't hear me, you didn't hear me, you didn't hear me. The blood that is speaking for you, there is no blood that has a stronger voice than the blood that is speaking for you. It's a bloodstained gospel. Hallelujah. Are we together? And most of the time when Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. He's not talking about a gospel. He said the gospel of Christ. As a matter of fact, Paul called it my gospel. In Romans 2.16, he called it my gospel. In Romans 16.25, he called it my gospel. In in 2 Timothy, he called it my gospel. Why? He said, this is what I preach. It was not given to me by any man, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. And Paul's gospel, he said, is power. Everybody say, is power. Is the power of God. That means anytime you are exposed to that gospel, you are exposed to the dunamis. Amen. Amen. I know many years back, I used to think in Acts 14, from 7 to 9, you know, Paul was preaching. The Bible says Paul was in Lystra preaching. And there was a certain man important in his feet. He never had worked. 
And then the Bible says, as Paul preached, the man had faith to be healed. Now, traditional thinking is that Paul was teaching on healing. No, he was not teaching on healing. He was teaching on the gospel. Inside the gospel is healing. Amen. Are you understanding me? See, if you're a minister of the gospel here, understand that God wants you to trust the gospel. No, 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 no. Don't trust, don't trust your, 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 your explanation. Trust the gospel. The gospel on its own can deliver. This was what Paul arrived at, where he concluded. He said, and I, brethren, quote his first Corinthians 2 from verse 1. When I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom. Why? Because I've discovered that the gospel can deliver on its own. He said, I came not with speech or excellency of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. He said, for I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's the gospel. Jesus and him crucified. Jesus and him crucified. If you skip further, maybe the fourth verse, you now say, that's your faith. Amen. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. That means that any time you hear the gospel is the power of God. Amen. Am I communicating? So preach the gospel. Believe the gospel. Amen. Hear the gospel. Amen. But I would like to remind you of something that will help us because this is the last day of some of you, your own feast. It's the first day of the other pastors, their feast. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. And on the last day, Jesus cried and said, If any man tests, <laughs> let him come. You have come. <laughs> you will drink. Amen. <laughs> you will drink. <laughs> And you will stagger. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> Glory to Jesus. Are we together? But I want to remind you of a few things. This gospel. Do you know that the theme for the book of Romans is the gospel? Hallelujah. The gospel is the theme. What he was talking about is the gospel. Alright? How do we know that? Yes, he mentioned justification. He talked about righteousness. But what he was trying to say is that it's the gospel that delivers these things. Amen. Romans 1.16 I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's power of God to salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and then to the Greek. Verse 17 and says, For daring in this gospel is the righteousness of God revealed. That means that if you don't hear the gospel, you will never see the righteousness of God. Amen. You will keep looking for it. You will keep searching for it. You will keep desiring it. You keep fasting for it until the gospel is preached. The gospel daring in the gospel is the righteousness of God unveiled. Amen. So anytime the gospel is preached, the righteousness of God is unveiled. So throughout the book of Romans, it was the gospel he was trying to talk about. From first to last, 16 chapters, the gospel, the gospel, the gospel. He gave different names of this gospel. When he got to chapter 10, he called it, he said, this is the word of faith which we preach. Then he was saying that this gospel is the word of faith. In that same Romans, he said, it's the gospel of peace. 
But I want to just drop this for you. The components of the gospel. Amen. And I want it to sink. I want you to hear it a hundred times. Glory to God. Until it sinks. And it becomes the core of what you believe. First Corinthians 15. You cannot know the components of the gospel if you don't read that First Corinthians 15. Because Paul explained what it is. Alright? In First Corinthians 15, from verse 1 to 4, Paul begins to share with us the five components of the gospel of Christ. So I'm going to read from verse 1 to 4. Then we would x-ray or look at them one after the other. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you, ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you the first, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And that he was buried. And that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Now, what are the five components of the gospel? Number one. Let's run through it again from verse one. He says, Moreover, from verse one, go back to one. Brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preach unto you, which also ye have received, wherein you stand. Verse two. By which also ye are saved. So this gospel was the gospel of their salvation. If you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. Now carefully now verse three. For I delivered unto you first of all, ever say first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died. The first component is that Christ died. Ever say Christ died. You know, sometimes when we say Christ died, do you know that how he died was also important? If Christ had died by drowning, you will not be saved. If he had slept and did not wake up, you will not be saved. The death had to be a death where blood will be shed. Because Jesus is the lamp of God. John 1.29 That came to take away the sin of the world. In the same way in the old covenant, they had to slay the lamp. The blood had to be, you know, the blood, the blood. And the way the lamb is killed is that when they slay that lamb and shed the blood, they make sure that none of the bones of that lamb are broken. So Jesus had to die exactly that way. His bones were not broken. His blood was shed. So Christ died. They would say Christ died. Say Christ died. That's the first component of the gospel. That Christ died. So even when you're preaching to somebody, it has to be said, Christ died. Number two, for our sins. The second component is what he died for. See, this was what separated Paul's ministry from the rest. All of them said he died. But some of them did not major on what he died for. Paul said, for our sins. That's why he taught so much on righteousness. Amen. Because he was trying to explain how sin has been dealt with. You know that the focus of Peter was to the Jews. And Paul's focus was to the Gentiles. And there's a slight difference between the two. Amen. Are we together? Because the focus for the, 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 the Jews is to tell them that this Christ is the Messiah that was promised you. Are you understanding me? And so, okay, he's the Messiah. That's why the book of Hebrews is very different. I'll come to that. Now, 
Let's get here. So the second component is that Christ died for our sins. For our sins. Not Christ died. Our, for our sins. For whose sins? Now, if you don't get that clear, many people have died before Christ died though. And many people have died after Christ died. Are you understanding me? Isaac died. Tafawa Belawa died. Amen. Are you understanding me? Are we together? Jesus did not die as an activist. Oh, we are saying he did not die as an activist. That's what scripture is telling you what he died for. Our sins, your sins, my sins. Amen. He died for our sins. These components of the gospel are also the tenets of our faith. And that means a man must believe that all have sinned and come short of the glory. Being freely now justified through the redemption that's in Christ Jesus. A man that doesn't believe he's a sinner cannot be saved. Amen. (laughs) Amen. So Christ died for our sins. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. It was solely because of that sacrifice. Now Christ died for our sins. So the first component is Christ died. The second is what? For our sins. The third component is that he was buried. The burial part tells us about what happened in those three days. When he was in the grave, what was going on? Amen. You know, many didn't have that revelation of what was going on. Are we together? But God gave that mystery to Paul about what was going on when Christ was buried. Let me go back a bit. That's the third component. The first component is that Christ died. That reveals the humanity of Christ. Are we together? That reveals that he was human. I remember that Jesus Christ in Malachi chapter 3 verse 1 it talks about behold he shall send his messenger. Then he now said that the messenger of the covenant see he's referring to Jesus Christ so in that scripture it talked about John the Baptist and Jesus. And he referred to Jesus as the messenger of the covenant. He's the one that came to deliver this covenant. Hmm, that's the way you are looking at me. There are two scriptures, Isaiah 42, 6, Isaiah 49, 8. They say, he said, I will make you for a covenant. That means that God was saying that you, Jesus, you, my servant, will be the covenant. Amen. So Jesus was the object of the covenant and he was the basis of the covenant. The covenants you are in today. You know, I know some of you sometimes say, I'm into a personal covenant with God. <laughs> It makes me laugh a lot. Amen. One personal covenant. Amen. Amen. It's just like your your child walks up to you and say, Daddy, can we enter into a covenant? Are you understanding me? What you are what he has with you is more than a covenant. Are you understanding me? Your life is flowing in him. What other covenants? Amen. Are you understanding me? Aha. In actual fact. 
Jesus is the one that entered into covenant with God and made you a beneficiary of the covenant. That's why the covenant cannot fail because it's not dependent on you. It's dependent on Jesus. God did, let me even go further tell you. God did not make any promise to you. Nothing. He made a promise to Jesus. You believed in the promise. Jesus brought you into it. Finish. That's the gospel. In Galatians 3.16, it said, it told us about, put up Galatians 3.16. Let's read it quickly. Galatians, the third chapter, verse 16. It says, now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He said not unto seeds as of many. It was not to many people, but as of one unto thy seed, which is Christ. That means that the promise was made to Jesus. I'll give you another scripture. Revelation, Romans 4.13. He called him the heir of the world. That means the promise was made to Jesus. Hallelujah. So Jesus had to become a man. Why? So that he could represent man and enter into a covenant with God. This covenant is between deity and humanity. Jesus became the human representative to enter into covenant with deity. Are you understanding me? That's what happened. And then all we're supposed to do is to believe. Because how we became sinners is not because we sinned. It's because one guy somewhere, I don't even know him, I don't have his picture, I don't have his picture in my house. Adam, one day, disobeyed God and they said, I'm a sinner. For by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. By one man's obedience, Jesus Christ, many are made righteous. Are you seeing this? Are you seeing it now? Are you seeing it now? I don't know why it's so hard for you, you know, for some people to agree. It was easy for you to agree that you are a sinner. Why is it now difficult for you to agree that Jesus has changed the situation? <laughs> I am not a sinner. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I am not a sinner saved by grace. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. My sins are forgiven. Glory to Jesus. So, the components of the gospel. So, Christ died, number one, for our sins, number two. He was buried, number three. Number four is that he rose again. Go to verse four. And that he was buried and that he rose again. The fourth component is that what? He rose again. He rose again shows the divinity of Christ. He died shows the humanity of Christ. That's why Jesus answered, Son of man and Son of God. Matthew, Mark, Luke and John was telling us the Gospels. Matthew showed us that he is the king of the coming kingdom. Mark revealed that he is the servant that the prophets have been talking about. Behold my servant, my servant. He is that servant. Luke now told us he is a man. John now told us he is God. That's the whole story of Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. 
Am I communicating? So he rose again. <laughs> that changed the story. That means he's God. He was raised from the dead. Resurrection. It was that resurrection that Abraham saw. Hey, hey. So when God now said, now take your son, your only son. He said, if resurrection could happen, it will happen for me. And then he took his son, Isaac, which is a figure of Christ. God kept referring to him, your only son. Meaning he's a type of Christ, your only son. Then he took him and on their way, Isaac also, they put the wood on his shoulder, the way Jesus carried the cross on his shoulder. A picture of Christ. Genesis 22. On their way, the young boy said, I see, I see this, I see that, I see the wood. Where is the sacrifice? And verse 8. Verse 8 of Genesis 22. Abraham prophesied. God will provide himself a lamb. In John 1.29, John now saw it. Behold the lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the whole world. Amen. Glory to God. Jesus did not come to cover our sins. He came to take it away. In the old covenant, they had an atonement. The atonement covered sins. But in the new covenant, we have redemption. Our sins are dealt away with forever. He came to take away, take away, take away, take away. Sin is no more an obstacle that has been dealt with. The deepest confession you can make is that my sins are forgiven. Because it's the basis for every other thing. Are you understanding me? He said, Colossians 1 says that, I think verse 13. He says, giving thanks unto the Father who had made us fit to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. What he's saying is that this forgiveness is what makes us qualified. He has made us qualified. The qualification for the inheritance is the forgiveness of our sins. I've told you the gospel came to deliver two major things. I've told you that before. Deuteronomy 6.23 I'll use Deuteronomy to explain it. Then I'll show it to you in the New Testament. In Deuteronomy 6.23, it tells us something powerful. That what happened to the Jews, what happened to Israel, is a type. Of course, we are told all that throughout the scriptures, 1 Corinthians 10 and so on and so forth. It's a type of what the new creation has received and enjoyed. By being born again. Or he's enjoying us being born again. What does Romans 6.23 say? And he brought us out from thence. Everybody say he brought us out from thence. That he might bring us in. To give us the land. Which he swear unto our fathers. So say he brought us out. What did he bring you out from? Sin. To bring you in. What did he bring you into? Inheritance. So the gospel came to deliver forgiveness of sin. And inheritance. Acts 26, 18. Paul was giving a summary of his message. He said, this is my message. To open their eyes. Amen. Put it up. Acts 26, 18. 
to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive. The first thing is what? Forgiveness of sins. They may receive what? Forgiveness of sin. Then the next thing is what? And inheritance. Are you understanding me? You receive the forgiveness of sin so that you can enjoy your inheritance. Receiving the Holy Spirit is part of the inheritance. The reason why some people cannot receive the Holy Spirit is that they feel they don't qualify, they don't qualify. And if you cannot receive the Holy Spirit, that means you can't enjoy the inheritance because the Holy Spirit is the first pledge. It's the first installment of your inheritance. That's why because it's the earnest of our inheritance. That's the first installment of our inheritance. Is that Holy Spirit you receive. Are you receiving? Paul told them in Acts 20.32 I commend you to God and to this message of his grace. There's forgiveness inside it. Which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance. It was inheritance. Everyone says inheritance. Forgiveness of sins and inheritance. Glory to Jesus. So the fourth component we said was he rose again. Jesus rose again. He rose again means he's alive. He declared in Revelations 1.18 I am he that was dead. But now I'm alive and I live forevermore. I am he that liveth and was dead and I'm alive forevermore. Nobody ever talked like that. I am he that liveth and was dead. And I am alive forevermore. So he rose again. That's the fourth component of the gospel. He rose again. That's what separates him from every prophet. He rose again. Glory to God. Whom do men say that I am? They say you are Elijah. You are Jeremiah. You are saying yeah. You are. And so, no, 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 no. He said whom do you say that I am? Thou art the Christ. The son of the living God. He said, this thing, this thing. Flesh and blood, calculus, textbook, assignment, biology has not revealed this to you. But my father, which is in heaven, as I'm speaking, that same father in heaven is revealing to you that your sins have been forgiven. The fifth component of the gospel is according to the scriptures. It was according to the scriptures. Say again, according to the scriptures. Glory to God. So, the first component is Christ died. Say it. The second component is what? For our sins. The third component is what? He was buried. The fourth one is what? He rose again. The fifth one is what? According to the scriptures. That means that, listen, this whole scripture was about Jesus Christ. John 5.39 John 5.39 Jesus says search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life but they are they which testify of me. Glory to God. That means the scriptures testify of me. That's why the Bible tells you the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The essence, I love NLT. It says the essence of prophecy is to give a clear witness of Jesus. Revelations 19.10 That's why anybody that says the spirit of prophecy upon him and does not exalt Jesus or his sacrifice is that's not the spirit of prophecy. The spirit of prophecy will exalt Jesus and his sacrifice. 
It's withdraw its empowerment from Jesus and his sacrifice. It's an utterance that comes from the sacrifice to empower God's people. Amen. That's what pro- I'm giving you a definition of prophecy. It will edify, exalt, comfort. Amen. If not, it's not the spirit of prophecy. In First Peter 1, I think from the 9th verse, the Bible was talking about, it says, it says, receiving the end of your faith, which is the salvation of your souls. And I said, of which salvation the prophets, amen, put it up, inquired and sadly, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. Next verse. I just want to show you something. Searching what, or what man of time, the spirit of Christ which was in them. That's that spirit that was provoking them to prophesy. They knew that those things they were saying were not about them. Now go to verse 12. Let me just show you something. Unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us. That means all that they prophesied about grace was not for them. It was for us. I begin to wonder why some of you want to go back to the days of Elijah. When Elijah was looking forward to your day. Say we were brought out. That we might be brought in. Say, I was brought out that I might be brought in. I was brought out of sin and brought into an inheritance. See, that's when you begin to understand the ministry of Moses and Joshua. Moses came to bring them out. Joshua, representing Christ, came to bring them in. And the name Joshua in Hebrew is Jesus in Greek. So Joshua was a type of Christ bringing us into the inheritance. Am I communicating? Say my sins are forgiven. I've been brought into an inheritance. I have fortune from blood that belongs to me. The lamb was slain for me to receive riches. Glory to Jesus. <laughs> How many of you are getting the picture here? So the essence of the scriptures is Christ Jesus. The book, the Bible, the 66 books are not about a country. They are not about a people. They are not about history. It's about a person. And his name is Jesus Christ. You know, the summary of the book of Hebrews. Hebrews was written to the Jews. Let me just summarize Hebrews to you. Oh, I just feel the power of God already. Hey, glory to God. There are massive changes taking place in our lives this season. I see moments of refreshing breaking out upon us. Strengthening coming from heaven. Hallelujah. For us to accomplish what we couldn't accomplish in our strength. The book of Hebrews has 13 chapters. It's Christ from beginning to end. Hallelujah. The way the book started, God, it starts with God. Amen. 
who at sundry times and in diverse manners speak unto the fathers by the prophets has in these last days spoken to us by his son. Are you saying that? That God that was speaking through prophets. Now, he's no more speaking through prophets. He's speaking to us by his son. That means that his son Jesus is his message. So chapter 1 is saying that Jesus is the message. Jesus is the word. The final word. That's the first thing that is established there. Chapter 1. Jesus is the message. He's talking to Hebrew minds. So he's telling them that all that God wanted to say since, see him here. His name is Jesus. That's why Jesus told them that if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. That I do not speak words on my own. The words he gives to me is what I speak. That's what he was saying. See, you understand that? So that's why Jesus is called the Logos. The Word. The Word. So chapter 1 clearly states that Jesus Christ is the message. And then subtly he also addresses the fact that Jesus is superior to angels. Because the Jewish people believe in the ministry of angels. And any smart person should. You know that you have the ministry of angels today? You cannot administer your inheritance without the ministry of angels. That's why angels and inheritance are always connected. Have you not read Hebrews 1.14? Are they not all ministering spirits sent for to minister for them who are what? Heirs. He used the word specifically. Because the thing they are coming to do for you is to help you administer your inheritance. It's such a large estate. You need assistance. That's the work of angels. Amen. Are you understanding me? So in chapter 1, Jesus is the message. And subtly, he tells us that Jesus Christ is superior to angels. In chapter 2, 3, it goes further to establish something else about Jesus. Now, in chapter 2, he's still establishing that Jesus is superior to angels. And that Jesus is still the message. When you get to chapter 3, he now brings another picture. He's the high priest. And then, he's superior to Moses. Chapter 4, he still strengthens, he's the high priest. Chapter 5, he's the high priest. Chapter 6, he's the high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Then the seventh chapter, he says, this Jesus is the shorty of this New Testament. That's the guarantee of this New Testament. Now, before he starts shaking, uh, we were in a covenant and we're sure of it. He said, well, hold on, hold on, no. This Jesus is the guarantee of this New Testament. You don't have to bother about who's going to guarantee it. In chapter 8, he now says that he's the mediator. There's a difference. He establishes that. When 9 and 10, he now goes further to explain to us that this Jesus, he starts talking about blood. Hallelujah. 9 and 10 was dedicated to explain that it is his own blood he shed. Do you know why, where he was going to? I'll get you there. When you get to chapter 11 and 12, he now was trying to explain to them that this faith you have is, has to be in this blood. 11 and 12, the, ex, the, the, the story of 11, 11 was a passageway. 
the statement he wanted to make, he finally made it in 12. But he started the statement in chapter 10, the last two or three verses. 11 was the passage. He was on his way. Amen. Amen. Now faith is, is, is the road. It was on the way. It's not the destination. The destination was Hebrews 12, where he said, Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. Whose faith? This faith of the new creation is different from the faith that they had. Amen. So, 11 and 12, he's establishing Christ as the author and finisher of our faith. In blood. Then, he nails it in chapter 13 to finish it. Jesus is God. Close, close. Verse 8 of Hebrews 13. Jesus Christ the same. Yesterday. Today and forever. He was quoting Malachi 3.6. I am the Lord, I change not. So, the Jew understands what he's saying. So he starts by saying, Jesus is the message in chapter 1. In chapter 13, he now says he's God. <laughs> Glory to God. Are you with me? Are you with me? He's God that became flesh. Hallelujah. John understood that. He said, we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Amen. John the beloved understood that. Lift your hands and say, my sins are forgiven. I've been brought into an inheritance. Say again, my sins are forgiven. I've been brought into an inheritance. Glory to Jesus. Understand this. This changes everything. It is this knowledge that makes you break out on every side. <laughs> you know, this side of my life is one more. This other side, no, no, no. The forgiveness of sin is the basis. I see the glow of heaven upon you. There's no greater light than to know that your sins are forgiven. Amen. When the Bible says, arise, shine, for your light is come. The light that has come is that you now know your sins are forgiven. Amen. So now that you know, shine! Glory to Jesus. We can go on and on. But you know the important thing for us today is to know that this message that has come to us is everything. When God sent Jesus to die, he had nothing better to give. <laughs> Amen. There's nothing to add to it. That's all. That's it. Amen. <laughs> and we have received it. And we have received it. And we have received it. And our lives are showing that we have received it. Glory to Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. You know, I think it was in Ephesians 1, um, the 13th verse or so. He said, In whom ye also trusted, after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Amen. I love the last part of it. Ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. It is because you trusted in this sacrifice. Now the spirits, which is the first installment of the inheritance, was given to you. That means he's saying that, hold this one to prove to you that every other thing is yours. (laughs) Amen. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. 
Say, my life will never remain the same. Say again, my life will never remain the same. Tell, your, tell two other people beside you, your life will never remain the same. Glory to God. You now know that all things are yours. Glory to God. All things are yours. How do I know that? Because the earth is the Lord's. Are you understanding me? And the fullness thereof. The earth is the Lord's. The world and they that dwell therein. And everything was put in the name of Christ. And the Bible tells me that I'm a joint heir with Christ. That means whatever he owns, I own. So all things are mine. I said all things are mine. Say all things are mine. It is this sense of ownership that God wants you to carry out of this place today. Are you listening to me? The sense of ownership. Inheritance is ownership rights. That makes you know that all things are yours. In our inheritance, people are part of our inheritance. Places are part of our inheritance. I'll show you two scriptures. Psalm 2, verse 8. The verse before 8 tells us about Jesus. It was referring to Jesus. Anything that's referring to Jesus refers to you. Because you are now in Christ. You are in Christ. Say, I'm in Christ. You are in Christ. If any man be in Christ, you are in Christ. So he said, Acts of me, the hidden, the hidden are people, oh. I hope you know that. For thine inheritance. The ends of the earth, the uttermost parts of the earth, for your possession. And it means that it belongs to you now. Amen. This is part of your inheritance. In Hebrews 11, 8, It says something. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place, which he should after, a place, ever say a place. He was called to go out to where? A place, which he should after receive for an inheritance. So Abraham received a place for an inheritance. You can receive a land for your inheritance. Abraham received a place. You are just passing, God said, here is your own. Eh, yeah, from here, here, everywhere is your own. And people are passing, oh. People are weeding. People are driving past. He said, here is your own. Why, what's God trying to establish? I own everything. It is the understanding of forgiveness of sin that will not make you feel condemned that you don't qualify to own this thing. You know the problem with some of you here? You don't feel you qualify for something. Amen. If Jesus shed his blood for you, nothing is too good for you. Did you hear me? Say, nothing is too good for me. Say again, nothing is too good for me. Glory to God. That's what it means. Nothing is too good for you. Now, I want you to think of something that there's no how you can have it. Only blood can give it to you. And I want you to use your mouth and say, that thing is not too good for me. Open your mouth and say it. Is it a land? Is it a house? Is it an appointment? Is it promotion? Is it increase? Is it, are you understanding me? Say it. Say it's not under your breath. You could just say, say it's not too good for me. No, it's not too good for me. 
the blood of Jesus did not come to give you access to what you can earn. It came to give you access to what you can never earn, no matter how hard you work. Are you hearing me? That's how you can just be in your church as a pastor. 500 new members can just come. In one day. You know that this one is not your fasting and prayer. <laughs> Listen. Expect such outbreaks around you. Let me even talk a little about blood. Do you know that even, at least in this part of the world, in Africa here, we know something about rituals. Huh? Wealth that came from ritual killings. You understand that? We know something about that. So you see that guy, you know him before. He was just strolling the streets, doing his own thing, you know, after his mother just dies. Amen? (laughs) Or his wife, or his child. Then boom! The guy becomes stupendously rich. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. Is that not what happens? Then you say, hey, hey, it's not school. I know that is not ordinary. See the kind of money he has. Why are you shouting? Because you can see that it's not a natural, it's not a natural something. <laughs> as we say in Nigeria. You trust that human blood can attract such wealth. The blood that was shed for you is not human. It was God's own blood. If human blood can make a man a millionaire, much more, I said much more, the blood of Christ. Glory to God. Blood is speaking for you. Listen, listen to me. Learn to put your faith in blood. Some of you, to you, I'm just making a statement that you don't understand. Romans 3.25. I will show you the scripture so you know that we're not just talking. Put on Romans 3.25. Let's read it together. Whom God, Jesus is the one whom God has set forth to be a propitiation. Through what? Faith in his blood. Say, I have faith in his blood. So our faith is actually in blood. My faith is in blood. Hey, someone should say it with me. My faith is in blood. Hallelujah. Say it again. My faith is in blood. And it's not in a dumb blood. It's in a speaking blood. It's not in a blood that spoke. It's in a blood that is speaking. It's not in a blood that will speak. It's in a blood that is speaking. As I'm talking, the blood is speaking. And what is the blood speaking? Is that the blood of sprinkling that speaketh? Did he say similar things? Lesser things? What did he say? Better things. Better things. He said better things. See, see, see. Because I have faith in blood, I expect better things. 
Hey, our ministry expects better things. My family expects better things. Glory to God. Because this blood is speaking better things. Better things than that of Abel. Abel's blood was crying out for vengeance. The blood of Christ is crying, mercy. Mercy. Remember when Cain slew Abel. Abel's blood poured on the ground. God said, Cain, where is your brother? He said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? He said, the voice of your brother's blood. Though it was shed on earth, it's crying to me in heaven. Blood on earth was speaking in heaven. Jesus' blood also was shed on earth, but it's speaking in heaven. The blood was shed. And then God said, do you know the consequence of this blood that you shed? Do you know the consequence of this blood you shed? It's not about me. The earth is angry. The earth will not yield to you. I increase because blood has summoned things against you. But in Christ Jesus, blood has been shed. It has summoned angelic spirits. Not against me, but for me. It has summoned angelic spirits. And it's telling the earth to yield an increase to me. To yield an increase to me. Glory to God. Blood is speaking for me. In blood is life. In blood is life. Are you understanding me? Anytime blood is shed, through blood, we summon spirits. And remember, that's why I told you that an innumerable company of angels. Any day you go back to your home, you are a pastor, break bread every day in your church as often as you can. Break bread concerning your church. Take the communion. Look at Acts 2.46. They were taking communion daily. That's why all those massive things were happening. It was not because they were on TV or on radio. No! The blood was speaking. And you hear the Bible say, and daily the Lord added to the church. And they multiplied. And they multiplied. Why? Blood was speaking. The secret was that blood. Was that blood. Was that blood. Today we have access to that blood. Hallelujah. We have faith in that blood. Are we together? And I tell you, you are a man of God. You are a brother, you are a sister. The believer in Christ has the most dangerous ritual. Amen. Are you understanding me? This one is more than juju. Amen. Are you understanding me? He has the most dangerous ritual. When you take blood, hallelujah, and then you speak in tongues over blood. Are you understanding me? That is dangerous. Amongst the occultic people, they chant our own chances in tongues and prophecies. Are you understanding me? So there's blood. Then there are words coming out. Amen. Giving instructions to the spirits that have been summoned. Amen. Are you understanding me? You say right now in the name of Jesus, deliver that property to me. Bring that document to me. Angels begin to move. And then you enjoy the ministry of Jesus. Angels are ascending and descending on your behalf. Today, there's angelic traffic concerning you. There's angelic traffic concerning you. Are you understanding me? Because blood is speaking for you. Blood is speaking for you. Hi, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Let me even tell you something powerful about the blood. Just sit for a moment. Just sit for a moment. Do you know that even the first time we saw blood used it that way corporately was in Exodus 12? All through time in Genesis, man had begun to learn about what blood was. And God was beginning to teach them the significance of blood. In Leviticus 17, he told them, said, look, 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 this blood, it is life. And I've given it to you for the atonement of your souls. But in Exodus, something happened. Now, he wanted them to leave Egypt. Listen, no. The, if you read the Jewish people, they are stubborn people, no. You ever see what they are doing in Palestine today? They have not changed. They are very stubborn people. You understand that? Very stubborn people. So there is no how a Jew will just sit down in a strange country for 400 years and not fight back. It's not possible. They tried to escape. It did not work. Even so, he told us the story of Moses. Moses saw them maltreating a Jew. He killed the guy and buried him. That's part of the reason why he had to leave that place prematurely. Is that also? That tells you that the Jews, in their efforts, tried to live there, but they couldn't live. They couldn't live. Now, the release was when blood spoke. And that is your release today. So he said, look, look now, this is time, Exodus 12. He said, now every house, get a lamb. And now you will take that lamb and shed the blood of that lamb. And put the blood on the lintel and doorpost. There are significant things that happen there. Number one is that what is happening to everybody will not happen to you. Oh, what is happening to everybody will not happen to you. Are you understanding me? That's summary of it. He said, death will pass over you. Recession will pass over you. Are you understanding me? It's happening to everybody. It's not happening to you because blood has exempted you. Say, I'm exempted by blood. Blood has exempted you. So it's not happening to you. That's the first thing that happened. Now, even if somebody ran into the house of a Jew and is not a Jew, the blood is not asking who is inside. The blood is asking, is there blood here? Pass. Is there blood here? Pass. Are you understanding me? That's the, that's the assignment. The angel of death. Is there blood here? Pass. Is there blood here? Pass. And this judgment did not affect anybody that had blood over his lintel. I told you that that blood that was put on the lintel and doorpost was used, they used a hyssop to do it. A hyssop is a plant, a, 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 like weed, you know, no, no weed, no weed. I mean, grass. You understand? Grass. Are you understanding me? Alright? So, they have it like that, then they dip it in, uh, in the pool of blood that's in the basin, and they splash on the lintel. They splash on the doorpost. It's a sign of the cross. When they put like this, the blood touches the, the, the threshold too. Amen. So it is like this and like this. If that's why that blood, that cross, that message of the cross is your deliverance. But the second thing about it was that he said after that, there are two things I just want to touch. One is he said when you are eating this roasted lamb, when you are partaking of this communion. He said, look, get up your loins. Carry your staff in your hand. Wear your shoes. What is he saying? Get ready to move into your inheritance. The, the, that's the aspect a lot of believers don't do. When you are taking communion, after you take communion, act like someone that's taking communion. 
Go and do that thing that you were believing God for. Are you understanding me? You break bread and you ask, okay, now I'm going for that interview. After I break bread, go for it. I'm going to bid for that job. After you do it, go for it. He said, don't, don't, when you take it, immediately after you take it, be ready to move. Because your way now is open. <laughs> so that communion, that blood is a way opener. Is a way opener. But the third thing is that he said, go and meet your master. When you go and meet your master, you open your hand and say, give me your gold. Give me your silver. You will just start pulling everything I give it to you. That's real. They put something for your mouth. Amen. Are you understanding me? He said, this, this your, your master that has been whipping you every day. You can't even talk to, you can't even tell him to pay you your salary because you are a slave. Now you were told to make a demand on him that only blood can make him give it to you. Are you understanding me? So as you live here today, when you have done this and understood the consciousness of blood, when you break bread, are you understanding me? Go out and make a demand that only blood can deliver to your hands. Say, give me your gold. The Bible says that God brought the children of Israel into favor with the Egyptians. That means the blood brought them into what? Favor. Today, that favor has broken forth upon you. That will make people give you things. Amen. Are you understanding me? Give you things that they never planned to give you. As I'm talking now, somebody didn't plan to give you a house, but they will give you the house. Somebody didn't plan to give you a car, they will give you that car. They didn't plan to give you a job, they will give you the job. They didn't plan to help you, but they will help you. Rise on your feet everywhere. Glory to God. Say, I receive favor. Say, I receive favor. Say, I receive favor. Glory to God. Say, my sins have been forgiven. The inheritance is mine. All things are mine. My way is open. Recession has passed over me. Favor is upon me. Things are dropping in my lap. The good things of this life are dropping. They are dropping. They are dropping. Glory to God. Pray in tongues for a while. Pray in tongues for a while. The power of God is in this place. Ratase se protoso. Lande le boso pregadeske. Latasataya. Lerele se protoso. Zelende leleske. Thank you for listening to this message. If you have been blessed, you can reach us by email on info at faithtofaithonline.org or call us on 234-806-361-3560. You are big, blessed, and loaded. Taking the message of